This episode is brought to you by Thorn, the industry leader in nutritional solutions. Now, Thorn is actually trusted by eight U.S. national teams and championship teams in the NFL, NBA, and Major League, as well as recently becoming the official sports performance nutrition partner of the UFC. So when it comes to supplements... The tactical athlete space and the athletic space need two things. We need efficacy, meaning the products do what they say they're going to do on the label. And then we need to trust the fact that we are not going to fail either athletic drug tests or work-related drug tests. Now, Thorne has actually been around since the 1980s, where they were used by physicians and hospitals for nutritional supplements for the patients. They were so successful that athletic teams and even special operations teams reached out to them and they started supplying them as well. Very recently, they actually opened their doors to the general public. Now, what sets Thorne apart is they manufacture their own products in a state-of-the-art NSF-certified facility in South Carolina. They use only the purest possible ingredients formulated with no stearates or arbitrary fillers in the cleanest manufacturing process. Most of you listening come from a profession where it can take its toll physically and mentally, and many of us are not able to bolster our nutrition purely with the food that we eat. And that's where supplementation comes in. So if you're ready to maximize your health and performance, visit thorn.com, T-H-O-R-N-E.com. Take a short product quiz to be paired up with the perfect health and fitness supplements. And for you, the audience, if you use the code BTS10, behind the shield 10, BTS10, you will get 10% off your first order. And if you want to learn even more about Thorn, go to episode 323 of Behind the Shield podcast and you will hear my interview with Wes Barnett and Joel Totoro from Thorn. This episode is sponsored by 511, a company that I've used for well over a decade and continue to use to this day. And 511 is offering you guys, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, a discount on every purchase you make with them. Before we get to that code, I want to highlight a couple of products that, again, I personally use today. One of the most impressive products they just released is their Rush Backpack 2.0. Now, for many of you, whether you're going to the fire station, the police station, whether you're traveling with your family, whether you're taking training courses, we have to fly, we have to drive, we have to take trains. And I have to say, I own multiple backpacks, many of uh, 5.11's different ones, but as far as a day pack, this one was the most impressive. There are so many different compartments. The way it sits on your back is incredibly comfortable. If you are a concealed carry person, there's also a spot for a weapon. So they've thought of multiple, multiple things that a man or woman would have to do on a daily basis. That is in addition to all of the products that I talk about a lot. Their uniforms fit for men or fit for women in the first responder professions. The footwear that they offer, whether it's the Norris sneaker or the Atlas system that is designed for foot health and therefore knees and back and hips and shoulders and neck. As a civilian, I live in a lot of their clothes as well. Their jeans stretch. You can actually squat down in them. We live in Florida here, so I wear a lot of their shorts, which again, very, very lightweight material. You can get it wet and it will dry almost immediately. And then moving to the fitness and tactical space, I used to have just a regular weight vest. Recently, I switched to a 5.11 vest and actually bought ballistic plates as well. My thinking was simply, if I'm going to have a vest, why not have one that protects me as well? And that TAC vest is trusted by law enforcement all around the country. So I mentioned they were going to offer you a discount code. So if you go to 5.11tactical.com and enter the code SHIELD15, S-H-I-E-L-D-1-5, you'll get 15% off not just that one purchase, but every time you visit their store. And if you want to learn more about 5.11, their mission, their products, then listen to episode 338 of the Behind the Shield podcast with the CEO and founder, Francisco Morales. Welcome to episode 569 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute honor to welcome on the show, Catherine Grimm. So we discuss a host of topics from her journey into massage. So we discuss a host of topics from her journey into massage therapy, personal training, training the tactical population, mindfulness and meditation, Project Lyceum, and so much more. Before we get to this incredible conversation, as I say every week, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Every five-star rating you leave truly does elevate this podcast, making it easier for others to find. 
And this is a free library of almost 560 episodes now. So all I ask in return is that you help share. And this is a free library of almost 570 episodes now. So all I ask in return is that you help share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to every single person who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you Catherine Grimm. Enjoy. So, Catherine, I want to start by saying thank you so much for coming on the Behind the Shield podcast. Now, this is our second time recording. I had a bunch of technical issues the first time, and you were kind enough to, to re-record. Um, so, welcome back. <laughs> thank you, James. It's really nice to be here again, and I appreciate you having me on again a second time as well. Yeah, so sometimes, as, I, as we talk before we start recording, the, the, the dress rehearsal was great, but the actual performance is even better. So I'm sure this will level up from our last conversation. So for people listening, where on planet Earth are we finding you today? This time, uh, Jeff and I, uh, my, my fiance, Jeff Nichols, I think some of your listeners are probably familiar with him, um, are in Austin. We just started, uh, we got here down today. Um, we're here for some actually for our, our own optimization. So we travel down here where our physicians are for some uh, brain optimization and human optimization that we do for ourselves. Beautiful. Well, that's a great tangent to open with. So what kind of uh, treatments or therapies are you using to level up your own health? Um, actually, so when we're here, they do uh, a pretty extensive blood panel on us to see kind of what our our, our blood looks like. Um, so we can take a look at our our blood from the inside out, so our physiology from the inside out. Then we do some breathing treatments to see how our um, see what our breathing does and what our, our brain waves are doing um, in a passive state with our eyes open and our eyes closed. Um, then we do a DEXA scan. That's I think those are the three that we're doing this time. Um, sometimes I'll do like a reset, a complete reset when we do HRV breathing, which is really uh, really important too that we do. We'll come down for a week at a time and work on HRV breathing. For an entire week um, so that's kind of a cool one that we come down and do so it's just a short quick short trip this time though so with hrv breathing are you working on deregulating the nervous system to get the variability back after being in a stress state uh, yeah absolutely and, and working on you know the counts of five and a half breaths in five and a half breaths out um in uh and we have a, there, there's a, a whole setup where we have different um, a, a whole, there's a whole like canopy set over your, your head with different wires hooked up everywhere um, to measure your the brain waves and then also your the the sweat that's coming off of your fingers too uh, and your heart rate and everything so it'll, it'll help down regulate your nervous system and you're watching a computer screen too to to measure the time you know so you can actually see the six seconds in and six seconds out so you can kind of sync up with that and then they give you you know obviously homework to go home with too to practice that breath work um, after you leave. So, and also, you know, the down regulation too is what some of the stuff that we practice with the guys that come in and train with us over at Performance First uh, of um, like the HRV breathing that we do. Brilliant. I haven't actually heard of HRV breathing specifically, but it's funny. Austin seems to be a hub for so many things, whether it's wellness, whether it's, I mean, podcasters, Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan both live there now. Um, yeah. you know, the tactical community is, it's pretty incredible, but you, you have this collective kind of very liberal group. And then you have this more kind of, you know, military oriented group as well. So it's an interesting mix. My, actually, my brother in law lives in Austin too. Yeah, it's it is. You're right. It, it it has like a little touch of that conservative side, and then this totally you know different side of the liberal aspect of it. And then there's also this you know emerging um, aspect of, of of health optimization that's here too. You know, it's sort of a, it's a big population of that that's sort of emerging down here in Austin. So it's a pretty unique place. Yeah, it is. I love it there. All right. Well, then getting on your timeline then. So you're in Austin now. Tell me where you were born and then tell me a little bit about your family dynamic, what your parents did and how many siblings. Sure. So I was um, I was I was born in Minnesota and um, did most of my growing up in Minnesota. We, we moved around quite a bit when I was young. Um, I was uh, I, I w I've always been a tomboy. I was always 
into sports when I was young um, and, and, and moving around. That's kind of how I made friends through sports and stuff. And I was, I do have an older brother, so I was always trying to keep up, you know, keep up with my older brother, trying whatever he was into, whether it was, you know, t- like tag flag football, um, we shoot BB guns, bow and arrow. Uh, and then um, in the sixth grade, after moving around, we moved back to Minnesota. So sixth grade through high school is where I, we stayed. And uh, during that time, I played soccer and, and track. Um, I was a, a goalie in soccer. Um, and then in track, I was a, a, a sprinter. I did the 100 and the long jump. Um, and my, my mom, growing up, my mom didn't really have to work, but she did. She also taught aerobics uh, when we were young. So I always had sort of that fitness background growing up. Somebody was always into fitness. Um, my dad was, uh, an executive. We moved around a lot because he was an executive for different restaurants. So he was, you know, getting different jobs and stuff like that as we were growing up. Um, unfortunately, I think it was like 12 years ago, alcohol took his life, uh, functioning alcohol for a long time until he just couldn't. Um, uh, my, uh, my parents didn't have a great relationship. They did stay together his whole marriage but they didn't have a good good relationship so growing up was pretty pretty rough in our household um after high school I went to Arizona State for two years um I wasn't sure what I wanted to do so I just sort of did my generals at Arizona State and because it was an out-of-state school I was like crap you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be so far in debt with this you know out-of-state tuition so I went to um, massage therapy school and I loved that, but I knew, I knew I wasn't done. I knew it wasn't going to be enough. It wasn't going to be fulfilling. So I ended up moving back to Minnesota and finishing my degree in exercise science. So while I was finishing my degree, I was doing massage for um, some professional athletes. Uh, I, I also did a little bit. I worked in a spa for a little while I did, I worked at a chiropractic office doing massage. So I had some of that other, you know, other side of massage as well, but I really liked working with the athletic population too. Um, after I graduated from the university of Minnesota, um, I ended up getting a job working in the corporate office for a big fitness company. And, um, that's sort of, where I started to really fall in love with like weight training and weightlifting. So I, the gym was sort of in that same parking lot. So I'd start to kind of, you know, go to work and go lift weights, go to work, go lift weights. And, um, that's sort of where my real passion for weightlifting came in play. It was after actually after college. So, um, and now I, I ended up in, in Virginia, um, from my previous, my previous marriage. So we ended up out in Virginia. Um, he was a, uh, reconnaissance Marine before I met him. So he ended up wanting to go back into the military and we ended up out in, out in Virginia because of his, his job. So, um, I continued my career in, uh, working with a big corporation for fitness and was doing a lot of training for different, all different types of, of people ranging from the ages of like 10 all the way up to 84. So I had a, a huge background in training different types of athletes, different types of injuries, different ages, heart attacks, you know, joint replacements, stuff like that. So that's where my background in, in, uh, fitness came in. Well, firstly with your mom, um, it's something I was just talking about with my son today how much value do you place in your mum's exposure to understanding the importance of fitness in your love for sport and fitness as you went through your life? It it was such an influence. I mean, we were, <laughs> she, she taught at the YMCA when we were young. So we were always in this little studio in this aerobics studio, you know, this is like when spandex were cool and leotards, right? So we were always in this little studio and she was teaching this, room of of you know women that would come to the, these classes so it was such an influence at such a young age 
you know, and then also being around, um, my brother always wanted, I was so competitive, you know, so I always wanted to keep up with somebody that was better than me, you know, such a, I wanted to achieve more, you know? Um, so having that at a young age, it was something that I always, whether I knew it was important when I was young or that I wanted to do, you know, I, I'm not sure, but, uh, it was, I knew it was a part of who I was at a pretty young age. Yeah, well, I've seen that even with the the CrossFit kids. You know, we have people that are athletes in our in our gym, and you know, and some of the coaches too. And some of their young kids were very very small, and then they start CrossFit kids class. And there's one young man who's 17 now that came with his mother. I don't know if his mother still trains or not, but he's amazing now, an amazing athlete. And when you make fitness and or sport the norm, that's their baseline. And so it's easy for them to be gravitating towards that versus if your baseline is, you know, chicken wings and watching football, that's a very different baseline for someone to have to to pull away from to find their fitness. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, it wasn't, it, it just wasn't something that I was drawn to, you know, like we, we would maybe watch TV a little bit after, after school, maybe in middle school, but we were, I just, we were just always active kids, you know, just, we were always outside. I, I always had grass stains or I always had like bruises and stuff all over the place. You know, I think even in one of my, I think it was in, I was going to prom or something and I had like scraped up elbows and knees from falling down on rollerblades or something, you know, it was just always d- d- doing something physical. Now you said about your father battling alcoholism. When you look back now, especially having been married, you know, to to someone in the military and obviously dating someone else now, um, what were some of the kind of origins you think of his mental health struggles? Uh, my my dad was also in the army. Um, he, he you know he got out long before we were born, um, but I, I think part of it was uh, he. He one of the restaurant ventures that he was on was unsuccessful, and I think he lost part of himself um, during that time. And I think instead of you know facing it and facing some of that that uh, that suffering, I think he you know people go to numbing it, you know, a numbing behavior and to not feel actual pain and to not confront it. And unfortunately, I, I think that that's actually what, what happened, you know? Um, and I, he was really a pretty closed off person. I'm not really sure, um, how much of his military career had to do with any of that or his growing up had a lot to do with that. He did have, um, 11 siblings. So he grew up, you know, big Catholic family, um, and, you know, I'm not sure about how, you know, if his upbringing had a lot to do with that, but I would imagine that there was a, a part played in that too. And, and not being able to feel like you can communicate, you know, properly when you're going to have that much alcohol abuse where it's going to actually kill you. Well, it's an interesting parallel as well. I just had a um, Richard Browning, who is the inventor of, I don't know if you've seen it on the internet, but the jet suit looks like a real man, real Iron Man, basically. Yeah. And he um, tells of, of losing his father when he was 15 to suicide. And his father had gone on an entrepreneurial, um, you know, venture, which had failed. And he ended up taking his own life. My dad's best friend, who was a politician and also in the housing industry, got accused of, you know, unethical practices and he ended up taking his life. So that guilt and shame, whether it's from combat, whether it's from, you know, on, on the fire ground or whether it's in business, it's the same kind of thing. And it can send people either into addiction or in an even darker place. So it's, you know, none of us escape, no matter what uniform or business suit we're wearing. For sure. For sure. You know, and I, I, as much as you want to tell somebody that, um, you know, there's, there's how they, a a person really has to want it for themselves. You can't, you can't will that, will it for them, you know? Um, It's just, it's, it's painful to watch, you know? Absolutely. Well, you mentioned the massage therapy route. So, I am absolutely horrendous when it comes to massage. I've had one in my entire life and I'm 47. And that was an old Japanese guy in Osaka who gave me a shiatsu. And I didn't realize that someone that was probably about 120 pounds could inflict so much pain, but uh, he did. 
Um, but it's definitely the one tool that I don't use. You mentioned chiropractic. I use that. I mean, there's a lot that I do. So talk to me about, you know, the, the application and benefits of, let's say, an athlete or tactical athlete with massage therapy specifically. Sure. So, um, massage therapy now, what we do is, um, you know, letting somebody feel, feel their tissue and you can kind of feel, you're doing it for them, you know? So it's not a lot of times like with the foam rollers and stuff like that, the person is still, you're still sort of doing it. It's like, it's, they're active. It's like an active stretch or something like that. So allowing somebody to actually relax and let their, let their mind and body kind of connect to each other and you can manipulate the tissue for them. Uh, and a lot of times we find muscle imbalances that way, uh, before we put them back under uh, a weight training bar, you can feel a lot of different types of, you know, tissue imbalance or feel the adhesions. Um, and, and just to let that person kind of feel that stuff for the first time too, is pretty unique. Um, and there's different kind of protocols too. So if you're kind of manipulating tissue, you can really notice the difference in the left side or the right side, uh, having a, you know, the exercise physiology background, then you can kind of say, Hey, these, I think these exercises would be helpful based on what I'm actually feeling for you during this massage. And also, um, letting somebody sort of relax with it, you know, during times of, of high stress or in high stress environment that we do provide in the training at performance first, I think is really beneficial also. Um, you know, now, now that I'm also providing some of the, um, the meditation piece, um, which is, which is what I'm most interested in, in now, um, for the last five years, I've been kind of studying, um, meditation after, after I got divorced, I started, studying meditation, I think that, um, massage sort of, um, can handhold some of that med meditation piece as far as connecting the mind and body also. Yeah, so did you see a lot, um, you know, the whole, the body keeps the score. Did you see the body expressing what the mind was actually going through? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think you can see a lot of like how the body, how the body holds stress, whether it's emotional stress um, or physical stress, you, you know, a lot of people will carry tension um, in their shoulders or even around their abdomen or, you know, in their hips and stuff like that. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's from physical stress. You know, it can be held from emotional stress and the person might not even know it until you're starting to touch that tissue. And, um, you know, to give them some ideas on how to start to downregulate that system too is really important. How to downregulate your nervous system, I think, is really helpful too. With the, the shiatsu, I remember some of the performers that, you know, I live with in Japan would talk about almost having the flu after they had it done because supposedly the toxins were released. What's what's the kind of theory behind that? Yeah, so I think some of it, as far as like the toxins getting released, you do, there's so much stuff that can kind of get built up in your lymphatic system. So um, when you kind of start moving some of that lymphatic fluid around it does feel like you have a flu or some people can get a bad headache from that so it is really important to stay really hydrated after getting a massage or some people feel really bruised you know afterwards just from moving some of that fluid around or not having it you know manipulated the way you can during a massage um, but having some of that lymphatic fluid moved around if, it ha if it's been pretty stagnant can actually feel like you have a, a cold or a flu uh, and it does go away. It's not that you're going to get sick from getting a massage, but it does go away pretty pretty quickly. But it's pretty unique, though, to to feel ill from you know somebody moving your your tissue around. Yeah, I got a funny feeling after 47 years, I'm probably going to be close to death if, <laughs> if they give me a shiatsu again. I, and James, you're probably due for one. That's the deal. Yes. No. I I can even just now. I did my first CrossFit workout since I got the flu. Funny enough. Um, when did I have it? Like a couple of weeks ago. And uh, yeah, everything hurts right now. So I wouldn't let anyone push <laughs> push on my muscles <laughs> at the moment. But yeah. Now, how often do you recommend, let's say a tactical athlete, take a firefighter or, you know, or uh, an active duty, not, not boot camp, but an active duty seal. Um, how often would you recommend that they do get massage therapy? If they have the opportunity to do that, I would say, you know, once a month for maintenance, but because it is so good to to be able to relax and, and and what I mean by relax is if you're not getting such a deep tissue massage, it can be really relaxing and also help you, you know, with some of that down regulation, maybe even a couple times a month if you have the opportunity, if your job isn't so demanding that you have the opportunity to do so. 
Um, so I would say once a month for such a high, you know, a high stress environment, but you know, a couple times a month if you, if you're able to. Well, speaking of, of hands-on, I want to make sure we re- revisit what we talked about in the first time. Um, h- human contact has been, you know, a, a taboo subject this last couple of years. So through my lens, it's been very frustrating from the wellness perspective on the complete lack of discussion on, you know, fitness, nutrition, time in sunlight, nature, human contact relationships, and, and very much faced on a couple of medical, um, you know, therapeutics. So what, without loading the question, what has been your perspective of, of your kind of lens that you've had this last couple of years? I think I, I, I think it's probably the most important thing to to actually have your health and be exposed to sunlight and have proper nutrition to to not have any underlying conditions that would potentially cause any other illnesses, right? So I think um, as long as you are exercising and eating well and sleeping well and, you know, uh, being really consistent about those things, chances are you're not going to necessarily get get sick. And I think that there's so much misinformation out right now about what to do or what not to do that people are actually afraid, you know, to to go to a public place to exercise or um, not not knowing what to do or not knowing how to properly eat, you know. And I think that's incredibly unfortunate because those are actually the things that keep human beings healthy. Now, what have you seen in, in your area, maybe in, in Austin, while you're down there, as far as um, the, uh, what would be the right word, the density within the gyms? So, you know, usually every year there's a kind of, you know, like tongue in cheek, that oh, everyone's going to be there for the next two weeks and then we won't see them again kind of thing. But I'm almost getting the impression and certainly what I'm seeing in this community that I live in, uh, in my CrossFit gym too, that... Um, there's not an influx. There's not a big surge for health and fitness this year, which is devastating to me. Are you seeing anything similar at all? Is there, is there less attendance or is it completely the same where you are? Yeah, no, it's the same. And I think it's because, you know, there was sort of a surge for people to build these home gyms. But I also think that it's really difficult for people to actually know what to do in a home gym. I think that's where, um, you know, where personal trainers and, and, going somewhere to, to seek out professional help is really beneficial. And I think if you're going to build a home gym, it, that's great if you know what you're doing, you know, but a lot of times those home gyms just end up being a place to hang your clothes. And I think that there, you know, that's, then it just becomes just more stuff in your house that you're not going to use if you don't know how to use it properly, if you don't have the knowledge behind exercise programming, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, I think the last couple of years have been really devastating on on um, for for exercise in general, you know, and there is so much you can do at home. There is so many things that you can do with not a lot of equipment. You just have to know how to do that. You know, and I think there's just a lack of information sometimes, too. Yeah. Well, one thing I, I noticed, um, I did CrossFit off the main site for a long time. And when I finally joined a gym, because I finally found out there was one in my town, um, the one element that I was missing was the community element. So whether it's, you know, a racquetball club or a CrossFit gym or, you know, a Spartan race group that you run with, um, you know, you can't get that in, in, in a home gym. And absolutely, you can kick your own ass with no gym whatsoever. You can just do thousand burpees and you'll be dead. But I think there is an element, not only, as you said, of, of being coached and making sure you're not making it worse and having good programming, but also being side by side and suffering with someone together and having that community element. And that's what I think is sad. I mean, I didn't even think about the home gym. and I'm sure that's part of some of the people that didn't come back, but that doesn't stop them from being outside walking their dogs or where I am, you know, or using the pool or tennis courts. But uh, yeah, I think the missing that community, we need it more than ever. And so many of these good gyms are a great place to jump back into that community and start having human interaction again. I agree. And I think I, I also think that having that community, it, it keeps people motivated and keeps people interested in wanting to go back. You know, um, uh, it's interesting you say that, too. We just my my mom just moved to Virginia Beach recently. So she's close to us now. And 
Um, she just joined the rec center close by to her house, you know, so we're hoping that, um, you know, fortunately she's not too, too afraid of what's been going on over the last couple of years, but we're hoping that she can make some, some friends in this area because she's new, um, to, to the Virginia beach area. So, um, it's, it's exactly that, you know, to build community, to build friendships and to keep you wanting to go back to do that, you know, um, and what, a, what a healthy way to, to, to stay, you know, in contact with people. Absolutely. Well, that's the fitness side. What about the nutrition side? I want to get to supplementation in, in a second because I know Thorne and, and Bubs are, um, you know, both companies that Jeff Nichols was certainly the one that got me onto and they're, they're incredible. But what are some of the nutritional philosophies that you can educate your athletes um, as far? Because it seems like, you know, this my way is the way is the perfect way to, to, you know, lose all trust in any sort of kind of eating regime but there seem to be some principles that stand fast no matter you know whether you're a vegan or a carnivore um that seems to work for most people i think you know consistency is such a big part of of eating healthy and um what jeff and i always talk about too is don't take something out of your diet unless you have something to replace it with you know um we do limit our our intake of um gluten and uh and dairy but we don't eliminate it completely unless we have something to replace it with you know so um if if we don't have any dairy or something then we can replace it with um almond milk if we're going to make a protein shake or we eat more instead of having a lot of bread we'll have more potatoes more rice you know different types of grain instead of you know breads or something like that um but i think being consistent with really healthy uh vegetables and meats are really general way to start to, to, you know, to nourish your body properly. And also to listen to that gut health. Like if something, if you eat something and you don't feel well, you really need to listen to that. That's your body's telling you something and your gut health has so much to do with, um, your, your, how your body is going to physically perform. You can't, you know, you, you can't expect your body to perform if you're not eating something healthy to give it to perform, you know, you can't give it bad, you know, um, bad energy and expected to perform at with you know a high level. Well, with gut health, um, I was actually I've taken several probiotics and had kind of good results for for a little bit and then not again. Um, and the one thing I started taking, I actually just stopped drinking eight days ago now permanently. I just made a vow I'm I'm gonna commit to not drinking at all. Um, but the bubs collagen bubs naturals collagen i was blown away and again it was jeff jeff got me under thorn like i said jeff got on the bubs as well um i as i spoke to to sean the um on the co-founder sean lake he started to you know anecdotally saying his fingernails started growing his hair started getting thick i saw all that and that's great but i'm not too worried about my nail strength but i was amazed how my guts started improving and it makes perfect sense we hear about leaky gut and all the damage that some of the crappy food does and in my case i'm sure caffeine and alcohol and it makes sense that you're giving the body that digestive tract the very building blocks it needs to repair so talk to me about you know collagen and what you found yeah the collagen i think is not only helpful for gut health but it's also really helpful when, like when our athletes come and train with us we have them take uh, two scoops either prior to training or after training um, for uh, their for joint health more for their ligament and um, tendon health also which makes it you know a big difference in recovery too um, and then also we have them use the MCT powder also for just extra calories and it makes the protein shakes taste a little more smooth Jeff really likes that as well um, and then the, Bob's came out with um, another like a, it's like a chewy a gummy um, the apple cider apple vinegar yeah, yep. it, it tastes so good. It You know, it's hard to not eat too many. I know that two of them, is, <laughs> but um, they taste pretty darn good too. So um, we've had we've had that also yeah. for gut health. Brilliant. Yeah. We say, I love to hear it. This isn't you know, like a, a – I'm not asking this because I'm paid or, or told to. Um, I Every single sponsor on this podcast are companies that I have hunted down like a dog to get on because I use them. Um, and I was amazed by all the three. The MCT I actually have in my coffee in the morning with a little, little bit of sugar and then the MCT and it's like a, you know, like a creamy cappuccino. It's amazing, but it's good for you. And then the, the uh, apple cider gummies. Um, I've been taking Goalie, which is another 
good brand. I like their, I always get the word wrong, Ashkawanga, however you say it. But they stick together like crazy. And the Bubs ones don't. And I, and they're they're a little sweeter too. The Bubs ones aren't as sweet. Um, so yeah, I mean, they only make three things and I love all three of their products. Yeah, good. And then the other ones that we, the, as far as supplementation, the other ones that we use are the Thorn products. I know that you're familiar with as well. Um, the, the most common ones that we use are the, uh, the thorn, the whey protein, um, creatine, um, Mariva for inflammation, um, the super EPA for inflammation. Um, and then, uh, recovery pro, which is another protein, uh, su supplement for nighttime protein, which has, um, magnesium in it. Uh, and it also has GABA in it too, to promote relaxation. So those are probably the main ones for from Thorne that we use. And then um, they also, Bubs and Thorne both provide supplements. So we teach, you know, guys will come into performance first for six weeks at a time, which is incredible. Um, and Thorne and Bubs will provide the supplementation for these guys that will come and train um, for that six week period of time, which is amazing, really amazing benefit for those guys to come and train and have that supplementation because we just sort of what we were talking about before, some of them have never even had consistency with supplementation so even in that six weeks they're like oh my gosh this is the healthiest i've ever felt or this is the most you know consistent with training nutrition supplementation i've ever had so we sort of get them you know on track when they're yes they're training before they come in to, to work with us but it's the most consistent they are as far as you know their their physiology when they come in um and then thorn also provides a blood draw so we get to kind of see their their physiology from from the inside out so we can kind of see what how they how they actually are dealing with stress from the inside out so if there's something else that we can recommend they're doing whether it's guiding them on sleep or nutrition um, or further supplementation we can kind of see that before they go into um, an actual career whether it be um, you, like if they're going to go into um, special forces for what whatever branch of the military or potentially if they're going to go into like a SWAT, uh, a SWAT team for the police department. Um, so we can kind of see what their stress is doing prior to them even going into service, which is neat. So we can kind of help them tailor their lifestyle before actually going into that stressful job. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the thing you use the word stress, you know, the fire service obviously is the one I'm familiar with. And you take the actual physical stress, for example, of going up in a high rise and full bunker gear with a pack and extra hose. And, you know, you've got that, but then you've got the, the stress state of shift work, whether it's the actual alarms themselves, whether it's, you know, waking up and not knowing if you're just going to be going on a, a rolled ankle or having to pull someone out of a fire or a three-year-old cardiac arrest. I mean, you, know, you have all that too. The one thing that you touched on sleep, which I want to get your perspective of in a second, is something that we don't get every third day or however our shift cycle is. And right now I'm hearing like horror stories that my last apartment are doing that like four or five days straight going home for a day and then doing the same thing again so i mean that's firstly so dangerous secondly it's going to be killing these men and women these you know these these people i used to work with um so i think that's the thing with supplementation at least it's trying to fix some of the damage trying to give you better sleep if not on shift at least when you get home and so i think it's very very important for our community i agree i agree and, and the one you know we do talk about sleep too is if you, if you can't if you can't sleep that eight hours that's really necessary for your body to actually recover, can you get some quality of sleep in a shorter period of time? And what can you do to to do that for yourself? And and part of that sleep hygiene routine is what is the room? What is the conditions that you're sleeping in? How is your room set up? Is it co is it cool enough? Um, you know, what, and what kind of clothing are you sleeping in? And is your family supportive when you do need to take a nap, especially in a job like that? Um, and then can you take, is there a supplement like that? What I was talking about like that recovery pro or magnesium bisglycinate, which is another one that Thorne has that magnesium is really um, supportive to relaxation. Um, is there something else that you can do like taking a hot shower at night, like a, setting up your routine at night, the same all the time, even if, you're not going to be able to sleep through the a full night. Um, and then also putting down the electronics, you know, like an hour before you're going to go to bed, that really does help your brain start to get ready for that, that sleep pattern too. Um, so there are some really important things that you can, can do to try to help yourself, even if you're going to potentially get woken up in the middle of the night or you're not going to get a full eight hours. 
Now, just you know, while we're on the subject, what are you seeing through your lens um, as the impact of sleep deprivation, not only on performance but also longevity? It, it, I mean, sleep is the most important thing. Beyond, you know, you can't be beyond nutrition and beyond um, training. Sleep is the most important aspect of of human performance and of longevity. Um, both both your nutrition and your training should be secondary to, to sleep. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure what, if it's not up to the the person, like what you're saying, if, if you're being asked to work five days in a row like that, I'm, I don't even know. I, I wouldn't even know how to, what, what I would even say to somebody that's asked, that's being asked to do that. That's so crazy to me. And also, um, that that person isn't gonna be able to perform their job, you know, to, to the highest demand that they're, that they should be able to they're being asked to it's really unfortunate yeah no and it's 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 unacceptable is a better word you know what i mean even when we're not understaffed just the the basal work week for most firefighters is 56 hours a week there are some that are better in the country but you know so you've got 24 hours straight three three days basically crammed into one then you've got a 48 hour period to recover to be back on again um this, yeah, the third of those three, eight hours is in that second day. So basically, you've got one day. Um, and I think that's just it. Like, the, I think the 24 hour shifts in the fire service are necessary because we have to do so much and training and all that stuff. And we do live in a building that has a bed and everything. But I think whether you're a doctor, or a cop, a firefighter, if you're going to ask someone to be awake, all night where we all sleep safely in our beds, we have to give them more rest and recovery than the average person, not less, which is happening at the moment. Yeah, 100%. And I agree with you 100%. It's, and that's really unfortunate because you're not only risking, you know, the, I, I know that people's lives are on the line that you're supposed to be, you know, trying to rescue, but now their lives are on the line because they're, you, you're so, you're, you're so under, you're so you're not able to perform properly you know impaired is what we are right yeah that's too bad that's such a shame yeah well i'm I'm hoping that if we get enough voices eventually there'll be a critical mass and you know we'll we'll actually force change but um you touched on meditation it's kind of a a segue because i used headspace when i was at the station to down regulate and try and get back to sleep after a call Talk to me about, you know, when you found meditation and walk me through where you are now with that particular discipline. Okay. Yes. I, meditation. I started to um, study meditation about five years ago and uh, I, I, I got into it pretty heavily after, um, after I got divorced and was, you know, trying to actually funny you said sleep. Um, I was trying to find a way to uh, process through my emotions through uh, my divorce and not, not turn off my thoughts, but really how to process through that so that I could actually get some, some sleep. And, um, I wasn't really happy in my job anymore. And I was sort of seeking answers, trying to find happiness again in, in myself and in, in life. Cause I just wasn't there. I was really in a bad, bad place. And so I started taking, um, like studying it, like taking courses in it. And, um, which, uh, I ended up now I'm in a a teacher training course. Um, so I'm teaching meditation through a, um, through a a course that I'm taking through, um, a school in DC, um, which is really interesting too, because we were talking about things being online and not having this community. And it's very interesting to do a meditation course online, but, um, it's been really helpful for me to be able to teach it. Uh, and Headspace, I think, is an incredible app, a, a good place to start. And um, I, there is another app that I like to use. It's called Insight Timer, which has a lot of different types of guided meditations on there as well. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I found it really helpful for myself, and uh, you know, finding some belief back in myself and finding the truth of, you know, the the truth of who I am again, and. Um, really finding some peace, um, some equanimity in, in, in that space. So I know you, you use that now with um, you know, the students at Performance First. So talk to me about the application of mindfulness when it comes to the tactical profession, because 
yes, there's a down regulation element, and I'm sure that's important too. But I think one thing that a lot of people don't understand, um, I had a conversation with a guy called Logan Gelbrick, who was a pro uh, baseball player. And he talked about having that quiet mind, which enabled him to get into a flow state one particular inning that he had. And so when you have the the kind of alpha saying, well, you know, meditations for hippies, to me, what I found, you know, through talking to people like yourself is if you have that calm mind and so many of us have that monkey mind, you're then able to get into that flow state, which allows you to perform even better than had you not done that hippie stuff. <laughs> so, you know, what what is the down regulation element, but also what is the performance element of meditation? Yeah, so um, the, like the down regulation like in, in jobs that you were, you know, had with the, the fire department or going into special forces, there's so much ask of your nervous system to be in a higher state of stress where you're asking it to be, you know, we hear that fight or flight and you guys are in that, that fight. Um, and then how do you come, come back down from that down regulation and hearing yourself, um, calm down, which is what meditation can, can provide. But also what you're saying too, the performance aspect of it is, really starting to listen into um, listen into your, your your body and your mind and your breath and um, tr- it's sort of like trusting into that in- intuitive part of yourself that we really don't tap into and you know when you when you start you, you'll have all these different types of thoughts and all these judgments and stuff like that and when you really sit and start to practice meditation some of those will start to fall away and you can really become present in the moment, which allows for that flow state to happen where those thoughts don't become the forefront. They just, it just sort of becomes, you know, something that kind of comes and goes in your, in your mind and you can get yourself into a different, really into a different state of mind where your body and your mind are connected, um, which is more for performance also. Well, then what about um, breath work? So one thing that was a kind of aha moment for me a few years ago when I first started speaking to some of the the breath experts was of all the professions around the world, like Jeff, when he was underwater, all the air he had was on his back. When I'm in structure fire, all the air on planet Earth I had was on my back. Yet in the fire service specifically, there was hardly any discussion on breath. Certainly, we'd have a couple of tips, like techniques, like skip breathing that would help you conserve but it wasn't about actual breath work. It wasn't about down regulation. And it wasn't about, you know, cardiovascular performance and therefore making your bottle last longer. So what are the applications and the kind of types of methods that you teach the potential operators when they come to your performance first? Yeah. So at the very beginning of the conversation, we we're talking about the HRV breathing. Um, we do we do a little bit of the HRV breathing with the guys that come in, um, like the five and a half seconds in, five and a half seconds out. Uh, or, you know, having people start to kind of count their breaths. And and also when you start to really focus on your breath, just it allows somebody to really not, we don't want somebody to necessarily change their breath, but to start to listen to it before they change it and really tap into that quality of the breath. Is it shallow? Is it is it deep? And where does that person feel the breath the most? Sometimes you feel it in your chest or your belly. Then you can really start to slow down your breathing and really focus on how do I, how do I change? How do I change this breath? How do I really downregulate this system? Um, and then we can practice different types of breathing, like a four, seven, eight breathing, where you're inhaling for four seconds, holding it for seven seconds, exhaling for eight seconds. So we practice some actual different techniques for that too. Um, there's a really uh, good book that Jeff recommends, which is called The Oxygen Advantage. Um, and then another book that I like is called uh, Breathe by James Nestor, which is a great book. Yeah, I had actually uh, Patrick McCowan on the show probably four weeks ago from the Oxygen Advantage. Yeah. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Well, then what about nasal breathing? That's something Patrick actually talks about a lot. I found it was really, really hard when I first started trying it. It was actually Brian McKenzie originally that that got me onto that. But my goodness, the the performance element, once you get used to it, firstly, I mean, it seems like you just have your mouth closed longer. And when it's open, you kind of have a little internal internal voice saying, shut your mouth. But secondly, during workouts, it's like you never redline. It was it was a great pacing tool as well. So do you do you teach that element as well? 
We do. Yeah, we do try to have the guys close their mouths or, you know, if they get out of breath to try to close their mouth as quickly as they can after something, after a high intensity bout to close their mouth right away. Um, and then there are some higher, um, like some higher intense workouts where we do have them try to close their mouth the entire time uh, during the training because a lot of them have never done that or tried that, you know. So it is something that we have them really focus on is, is the nasal breathing because it does actually play a huge part in your um, in your uh, uh you're getting your increasing your oxygen levels um, for for performance. So I guess people listening are probably wondering what performance first is. So I want to get to Project Lyceum, but before we do, talk to me about the facility and what you offer there. Yeah, so Performance First is um, owned by by Jeff Nichols, and Jeff Nichols is my fiance and a for, former Navy SEAL. So um, I uh, ended up coming down and managing managing his business because it's not, I do the, the unsexy work for it. Um, and then s some of the meditation pieces of it too, as well as, uh, assisting in some of the training. Um, and we focus on, uh, training, training, uh, men and women to get to, uh, special forces, regardless of the, the, the branch of military service that they're going into. And then we also work with, um, some of the fire departments or police departments in the area. Um, and, you know, it could be SWAT or, or police. Um, and then also we do work with some of the agencies too, if they're willing to want to come down and train with us. Brilliant. So with Project Lyceum, um, you know, you, you had the facility, obviously it was a, a regular training facility. Talk to me about the genesis of Project Lyceum, who can participate and how people can support it. Sure. So most of the training that we that we do at Performance First is like a six-week training course. So we'll see people for six weeks at a time. And Project Lyceum came about from uh, one of the one of the students from our first class um, came through the six-week training course, and one of his friends wanted to come to the second class and couldn't afford to come to the second class because it is expensive to come and train with us. And then most people are coming to train with us from all over the nation. So they'll come and stay in an Airbnb. But on top of that, then they're trying to find, you know, how am I going to quit my job for these six weeks and, you know, pay to train down here and food and all this other stuff. So anyway, so he paid for one of his friends to come and train. And then, um, it, you know, that really stuck with me because the majority of the people that are coming to train with us are, you know, 18 to 26 years old. And, uh, so I realized there was a need here for us to help, try to help support financially some of this training. Um, so we started a scholarship fund and uh, called it Project Lyceum. And Lyceum is the, the gym that Aristotle had also that provided um, resources for students. So um, the, the scholarship can provide um, financial aid for I shouldn't say financially, it will provide funding for um, training or if they need help with gear or if they need help with a stay at Airbnb or if they need help with travel, um, we'll provide the funding for, for a student for that. Um, and not only does it provide funding for um, students going into special forces, it, we would provide that for um, somebody wanting to go into the fire department or police academy or one of the agencies. And they don't have to come and train at Performance First if somebody wants to apply for the scholarship, um, the website is www.projectlyceum.org. And we would provide the funding for wherever that person wants to train in the United States, as long as that trainer is qualified to train um, somebody going into the military. They, we do have to know who the trainer is, um, you know, or if they wanted to travel to a different facility, we would provide, you know, the funding for that travel or stay somewhere else. So, it's a pretty, it's a pretty liberal um, scholarship that can be used. Well, you talk about Jeff being the SEAL teams. Obviously, he was in within the the SEAL team, SEAL team, the the, the tip of the spear, the most elite group, um, but also very, very well respected in you know the the strength training world with the NSCA and being a CSCS and TSAC and all these other you know uh, qualifications and, and communities is attached to. So. He's very well respected as, as are you when it comes to training these potential tactical recruits. What are you seeing? Let me rephrase it. How does someone find the right kind of trainer and or gym to, to, to prepare them for that kind of, uh, 
profession and then what are some of the the dark side what's what's what are the, the signs that they should be wary of for someone that maybe is going to make them more ill prepared for such a profession I think I think that's just it I think sometimes there is a lack of resources right to find the right types of trainers and I think one of the, the I think the biggest downside is like these fast like 60 days you know 60 days to boot camp or a 30 day you know, uh, 30 day, we'll get you ready in 30 days or whatever the beat down to boot camp situation things, right? That doesn't, it's not really how it is. And some of the training, some of the, um, like the process that we have for people, some of it's 18 months long. It's not like a quick, you're going to be ready in six, you know, two, in two months or something like that. It's a long process for these people to get to where they really want to go. Um, and, and having a, if you really think you're going to get there in 30 days, you're, you're actually just setting yourself up not only for failure, but for injury also, you know, and that's a shame. So it's like the gimmicky stuff that's out there that really doesn't work, you know? And that's really unfortunate because that stuff looks kind of sexy when you see it on Instagram, you know, you see somebody who's really fit or really in shape or who was a prior military, you know, or a service person. And, um, that's really just not how it works. You know, and that's really, too, that's really too bad. Um, there are a couple of really good trainers, you know, yes, we do have performance first and I, yes, I am a little bit biased about it because I see, but I also do see how, how it works. Um, Stu Smith is out in Maryland, who is another incredible, um, resource for, for training, um, as well, but it is, it's, it's pretty far, far, far and few between where you find some pretty good, uh, trainers equipped to do this type of specialized training. Yeah, absolutely. And Stu's been on the show too. I actually need to get him back on again. He's a phenomenal you know, fellow SEAL again, fellow of Jeff, not myself. But uh, yeah, I mean, he was writing books on this kind of thing well, way before most people were even talking about it. Yep, exactly. Brilliant. Well, I want to touch on one more area before we kind of transition to some closing questions. Jeff's been on several times and it's, you know, it's been amazing. And, and we discussed the last time how incredibly happy he looks in in a couple of episodes prior you know he wasn't in as good a place and was you know very honest about some of his darker times you came from again being in a dark place from divorce and i can definitely relate to that personally what was it that worked what did you guys both both bring into this relationship that worked even though you both had trauma just like my my wife now and i both brought trauma to ours i i think um jeff and i both had the willingness to see, um, to really see each other with compassion and, and, and meet each other where we are and see that there's still some struggle and some healing and you, and, and not just trying to come in to fix something. You can't fix, you can't fix somebody, you know, and it's just the willingness to really, um, to, to be there for one another and, and hold space for somebody also when when you can witness somebody sort of going through something and just be there for support and um wholeheartedly you know and to be there with compassion and not change the situation or fix it it's just to be there with them you know in in be there in love with that with that you know with that person yeah well i think that's the thing i think a lot of us are guilty of, you know, you, you do sometimes go in thinking this person is in this place, but I'm going to help them get into this other place. Now, my first marriage, even though there weren't a lot of signs of, of a bad place initially, you know, once I realized there were things, you know, that needed to be addressed, if you're with someone who's not willing to address them, you're not going to fix them, you know. And then the second time with, with my beautiful wife now, you know, she had just lost someone to suicide like a year before I met her, her, her boyfriend. Um, so there was a lot of trauma there, but we both trusted each other and, and were, were there to, to lift each other up. And it's interesting having two very different relationships to compare, but I agree completely. You have to, you have to want to heal each other, but if it becomes a one way street, that's probably a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, to really, to really feel heard and not just to really feel heard by somebody and really understood by 
by somebody is so important. Um, I think like what you're saying, that communication piece is so big. Um, and to, you know, to, to be there like that is, is so important and to be patient with, with each other, I think is, is, is really big in this, in, in the relationship I'm in with Jeff. And I've never had, um, such a spiritual connection with somebody before such a deep spiritual, um, relationship with somebody. And I think that's also really important for, um, at least for me to have with, with somebody. And I, I love, I am absolutely in love with the relationship that I have. Beautiful. Well, like I said, I was so happy to, see, I was so happy to see him so happy, if that makes sense. So I wanted to get your perspective too. So it's beautiful to hear. So thank you. Yeah, I am too. I, and it's so nice to see, um, you know, not, not just my own growth, um, as, as a human being, but also to see so much change in somebody and in, in somebody else too, you know, and, and to see Jeff also really, you know, be, become a happier person and be able to display that, you know, I could, I, I knew that about Jeff, but it was so nice to be able for him to display that and also to be, not be so harsh about showing it, you know, it's such a big deal. So I'm really, I'm really proud of him too. Absolutely. All right. Well, I would love to switch to some closing questions so I can be mindful of your time. The first one I'd love to ask, is there a book or other books that you love to recommend that can be related to our discussion today or completely unrelated? Uh, yeah. So actually, yeah, one related book that I do like to recommend is um, it's by John Kabat-Zinn. Uh, it's called Wherever You Go, There You Are. Um, and it's, it, it's a great book for meditation for beginners or, or, or not. So I think that that's a really good place to start. Beautiful. Same question, but with a movie or documentary, Are there any of those that you love? Um, so the documentary, now I, after we spoke, we did watch the Alpinist and I don't know, um, I wasn't really prepared on how it was going to end, but, um, it was a pretty intense you know, I did, clearly I like extreme things, you know, I, I, through through sports and everything like that. So it's a pretty extreme documentary, I would say. Yeah, yes, it is very powerful. But I mean, what a what an incredible journey of someone who's a true craftsman, you know, a journeyman of, of his craft and, and to to disregard intellectually what people tell you can't be done and finding your own way to actually do that thing that you were told would never be done. And I, yeah, there's something so, um, that to me is so inspiring. There's such a disregard for fear. Um, I, I wish I had some of that, uh, that ability. Um, I, it's so incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well then, uh, and then last time I want to say it again, because you did mention it, you said the favorite film was Dumb and Dumber. So we'll put that out yeah. on the list too. <laughs> it's probably on my top 10 list. I think comedies are what I'm really drawn to. Um, so yeah, Dumb and Dumber is definitely on my top 10 list for sure. All right. Well then the next question, is there a person you recommend to come on this podcast as a guest to speak to the first responders, military and associated professions of the world? Uh, yeah, I think it, I, I had mentioned him also, Mark Cool, Jeff's friend, Mark Cool, who's a um, been on the SWAT team in Chesapeake here uh, in uh, Chesapeake, Virginia, um, for I think 26 years, and really does embody what it means to be um, like a, a a warrior, a police officer. And I know he can speak on on what he feels about that term also. Um, but I've really never met somebody like him in the in the you know in service. Um, who, who really does give back to his community as much as he does. It's, he's an incredible human being. Brilliant. Well, I know we've already kind of pseudo-connected, so I'm looking forward to getting him on. So thank you for that. Um, all right, well, then the last question before we make sure everyone knows where to find you know, Project Lyceum and, and Performance First, what do you do to decompress? Um, I, I do have my own meditation practice. I, I do meditation uh, pretty regular in the morning. Um, it's maybe three times a week, about 20 minutes. So I don't have it. It's not a long practice, but about three times a week in the mornings. Um, and then I do work out, Jeff and I work out probably, uh, I would say five days a week. Um, so that's also how I, I sort of get my demons out is, uh, through weight training. And then also, um, Jeff and I do like to spend time in the kitchen together. I like to cook with with Jeff so spending time quality time you know together in the kitchen is where I find some some peace uh, peace of mind and peace with Jeff 
Brilliant. All right. Well, then, if people listening want to find out about Project Lyceum or Performance First, where are the sites for those? And then if they want to reach out to you or follow you on social media, where's the best place there? Uh, so Project Lyceum is um, www.projectlyceum.org. And uh, Performance First is www.performancefirstus.com. And then uh, my social media, I do have some meditation uh, things in my highlights is FITSOL22, F-I-T-S-O-L 22. Um, so then I do have those meditation things in my um, in my highlights. And then I, I, I do reach out or if somebody does have questions about meditation, I'd certainly be happy to answer um, on, on my direct messages on there too. Brilliant. Well, you and I are going to be talking a lot this next year because we are involved in a super secret project with uh, Ryan Parrott. So I'm excited to kind of continue chatting and see some of Jeff's programming that's going to prepare them and or us for this super secret <laughs> project that we're going to be doing. But uh, I just want to say thank you so much. It's been a great conversation this time. My camera worked. The computer didn't shut down. So uh, I appreciate your patience and uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Uh, thank you so much, James. I appreciate your time as well.